Well, friends, it is really, really good to be back together with you guys. I can't tell you over the summer how much I missed every Sunday night being able to spend this time with you guys. The summer was good, uh, and it's nice to kind of take a break and rest and do some different things, but this right here is where it's at. This for me is like the pinnacle, the highlight of my week. Uh, school's back in session. Most of you guys are happy about that, not happy about that? <laughs> happy about that? Okay. I always liked when school started because it meant I got to see my friends. I didn't really like to work so much, but uh, hey, maybe the school year has already started off like exactly what you imagined it would be. Like you were thinking this summer, you had this picture in your head of what the school year was going to look like, and things have just fallen exactly in to place. Uh, maybe it's been totally different. Maybe in a really good way. Maybe in a not so good way. And things are not off to the way that you anticipated. Maybe you were throwing a curveball pretty early and you kind of have the feeling right now where it's like, this is going to be a really interesting year. Uh, let's kind of see where all of this goes. Uh, here's the deal. At this point, new school year, everything kind of brand new, trying to figure things out. There are a ton of unknowns, and there are a ton of opportunities. Uh, I think it's really, really important to note that this is a critical time in the year. Like, there are all kinds of times in the year where we can make different plans or different priorities or set in our minds that we're going to do something, but there are certain times on the calendar where it's just easier to, like, resolve to do something, right? Like New Year's resolutions, everyone's like, hey, for whatever reason, something magical happens between like the Friday of December 31st and Saturday of January 1st, and all of a sudden you can be a new person, right? We have this like whole mentality. Uh, it's kind of the same when you start a new school year, right? Like everything's new, you're trying to figure everything out, and you can kind of reestablish, you can reprioritize, you can resolve to be someone or to do something different this year than it was last year. Uh, this is a critical time, and I think for you guys, it will begin to set the pace and also the trajectory of what happens six months, eight months, 12 months from now. The decisions that you're making now, the way that you're processing life and thinking about things now today is gonna have an impact on all of that. What is this school year for you gonna be about? Uh, how are you going to do things differently this year than you did last year? How are you going to do relationships in your family this year different than you did last year? What's going to look different in your relationships with your friends this year? Uh, what's going to look different in the way that you interact with different authorities in your life, your teachers, your coaches? Uh, how is that going to look different this year than last year? Should you keep moving in the same direction that you've been moving in all summer long? Like that's a good course. That's something that's pleasing the Lord. That's something that for you has shown to be a blessing in your life and the life of others. Or is right now, today, in this moment, an opportunity for you to reflect and to say, you know what? That's really not how I want to do life. That's really not what I want to be about. Uh, now is such a crucial time for us to really consider and to resolve in our hearts by God's grace to walk in a direction that's pleasing to the Lord. Uh, 
there are, of course, going to be a lot of things this year that happen to you that are completely outside of your control. But there's going to be a lot of things that you have direct and full decision-making ability. And how you make those decisions, the way that you decide to do life, it's going to carry consequences with it. Really, really good consequences or horrific consequences. Uh, ask anybody, you know, if they think what happened six months ago and say, hey, did you have any idea that like your life would look like it does right now? Most people will say, no, I didn't really anticipate that. In fact, for you guys, uh, as you think about it right now, does life look like what you thought it would six months ago? Maybe some of you guys are like, I don't really think that far in advance, dude. Um, that's all right. All right. So with that reality in front of us, with what a critical time and opportunity this is for us to resolve to be someone different by God's grace and to do life differently, uh, let me ask this really easy question. Uh, and it's rhetorical, lest we have people shouting from the back. Uh, why do you live your life? Seriously, not like the right answer, okay? Not the answer that you think that I really want to hear. Um, but what's the purpose? Like what is every morning when you get out of bed and every night when your head hits the pillow, what are you thinking about? What are you striving after? What is life all about for you? What makes you tick? What makes you like passionate and you, everything in life is organized around why you are doing life. I looked up this article. It's a fantastic article, super deep, super helpful. Uh, it's called 16 possible, it's, it's what's the purpose of life? 16 possible answers from 16 inspirational people. So you know this is gonna be good, right? Uh, number one, the very purpose of life is to be happy. Just look at your neighbor and smile, right? The very purpose of life. Some of you guys do not know how to smile, <laughs> by the way. Uh, okay, so that one's fine, right? Uh, how about this one, right? The purpose of life is to explore and experience. Sounds fascinating, doesn't it? I like this one. Some of you guys, if I hear amens, I'll know exactly what's going on in your soul. <laughs> they said, hmm, boots and cats? Yeah. Uh, number four. Number four. This one, th this, one's, this one's good, right? The only soul-filled purpose of life is to love and let what makes you soulfully happy guide you. It'll all work out if that's your guiding force. Here you go. This one. This one's good. Uh, to leave a legacy that is a North Star for all my family in the future. And then this one, the purpose of life is self-actualization, shaping the world in our vision through reaching our full potential. I'm telling you, you got to go check this article out. There's 11 more riveting <laughs> purposes of life that you can find. Uh, but, but really, friends, think for a moment. Uh, this is the way that a lot of the world thinks. And if you're being honest, Maybe some of you are actually closer to some of these 
than what you think the right answer might be, right? Like if you really looked at your life and looked at how you spent your time, the things that you were passionate about, the things that get you excited, the things that crank you up, if you really thought about that for a little bit or thought about what are the things that you're striving after, the things that you want to do, the things that you're going after, uh, in all reality, maybe some of these are actually kind of close to what's going on in many of our hearts. As I said, here standing at the beginning of the school year with a lot of different opportunities in front of us, a lot of unknowns, how you make your decisions and how you respond to the unknowns that invade your life this year will be directly impacted by why you live your life. By how you answer that question, what is life all about? What is the purpose of my life? How you answer that question will impact the way that you respond to everything that happens to you this year and it will impact every decision that you make this year. So what I want to do for just a few moments as we're introducing our new series is cast a biblical vision for what life is all about. What God's word, as we look at God's word, as we study from Genesis to Revelation, see what is life all about? Why should I be living my life? Why did God create me? What is the purpose? What is the meaning? What should I be striving after? This is what I believe God's word begins to show us. And the way I'm going to do it is, uh, have, have any of you guys heard the word paradigm before? Is that a familiar word? Okay, many of you guys have. Uh, a paradigm is the way that someone sees the world. So before I give you a biblical paradigm for how we should see the world, let me give you a few examples so you know what I'm talking about, okay? Uh, up until 1543, it was popular to believe that the earth was set at the center of the galaxy, that all things revolved around the earth. Now it was for two reasons. One, uh, the perspective of the earth dweller, when you look at the stars and the sun and the moon and the other planets, they appear from our perspective to revolve around the earth, don't they? Uh, like the sun rises and falls and it looks like we're just standing still, but the sun is going around us and figuring its whole thing out. Uh, second, the earth doesn't seem to move from our perspective. As we stand here on earth, it seems like we're stable, we're unmoving, and everything else is just moving around us. 1543, uh, Nicholas Copernicus published a work that began to prove that the sun was actually at the center of our galaxy. Uh, it's called the Copernican Revolution, and it's a revolution because in light of this new information, Everything in the world of science was flipped upside down because the perspective changed, because there was new information added into the whole discussion, everything changed and was reconsidered. Second example, uh, a man sits down on a subway. Everything is calm and peaceful and as this man walks in, he brings in his three children with him and people are sitting there and they're looking at their devices, they're reading their newspapers because I think like five people still do that in the world. And uh, this dad and his three crazy kids get on and the climate inside the subway changes instantly. It goes all of a sudden from this peaceful, everyone minding their own business, doing their own thing, to this loud, crazy, out of control, like the children are actually terrorizing other people. Like, not just sitting there doing their own thing and everyone's like, these kids are out of control. Like, ripping newspapers out of people's hands. This is a true story, okay? Uh, like, the kids just started going nuts and were crazy. And the dad is just sitting there, much like 
this gentleman in the front of the screen, just kind of sitting there, hanging out, doing his thing. And another guy on the subway leans over to him and says, uh, sir, I wondered if you might mind getting your children under control. He responds, yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, we just left the hospital and my wife died, their mother, and they don't really know what to do. I don't really know what to do. We're just trying to figure everything out. Uh, instantly, that conversation changes, right? That conversation and what's happening in that moment being viewed through a different paradigm changes the way that everyone lives and acts in that moment. That is the power of shifting our paradigm of the way that we see the world. And here's the reality. There is so much going on around us that we are constantly bombarded with information, with other people, with other sources telling us how we should view the world, how we should view ourselves, how we should view others. And because of that, that is changing, that is impacting the way that we live, the decisions that we make, the priorities that we have, the way we spend our time, the things that we're striving after in life is all impacted because of the way we see the world. Of course, these other sources of input are giving us information, are telling us what we should think, and yet we know that God's word has spoken definitively and finally as to what life is about and how we should view the world. If we not only know and understand this biblical vision of what life is all about, but if we actually embrace it, it would change the way that we think, the way that we feel, and the way that we act. The biblical vision for what life is all about is seeing, pursuing, enjoying, and proclaiming the glory of God. This is the biblical vision for what life is all about. It is about seeing, pursuing, enjoying, and proclaiming the glory of God. This is what should wake us up in the morning. Like as we lay in our bed after our alarm clock has gone off and after we get past that one moment of being really angry that we've been awoken from our slumber, we think to ourselves, it's all about the glory of God today. Every single moment from when my feet hit the floor until my head hits the pillow tonight is all about seeing and enjoying and knowing and proclaiming the glory of God like how I get ready for school and the things that I'm thinking about while I'm getting ready for school. And then when I walk downstairs and mom asks me the same question that she asks me every morning and I give her the same answer every time I see her. Like in that moment, I'm thinking the glory of God, right? Like how does the glory of God change the way I think, act, feel, and speak in that moment? And then when I walk into school and I see everybody and some people are coming and telling me all kinds of wonderful things and other people are coming and they're starting and like their day stinks already and it's not even eight o'clock and they want your day to stink too because misery loves company, right? And so it's like, how do I respond in that moment? Is it, I'm just on autopilot? I'm just doing whatever I feel like doing? Or is it, no, 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 the glory of God. The glory of God compels me to think, act, speak, and feel differently in this moment 
than many of the other people around me. This is what should consume us as lovers and followers of Jesus Christ, the one blazing center of our lives should be the glory of God. The biblical vision for life is about seeing, pursuing, enjoying, and proclaiming the glory of God. So this year, as we look into God's word with one another, we're going to be starting a series called To the Praise of His Glory. To the praise of His glory, we're going to be looking at the book of Ephesians and seeing how all of life was designed to be lived to the praise of God's glory. So, what exactly is God's glory? And how do I live to the praise of God's glory? Uh, Video or no video? There might be a video. We're going to try a video, and if there's not a video, I've watched it like twice, so I'll try and give you the information from the video. So this is the glory of God. God's intrinsic value and worth being put on display for us to see and to enjoy and for us to proclaim so that others might see and enjoy the glory of God. Everything that we do, everything that we think, everything that we say, and everything that we feel is to the praise of God's glory. So let me ask you this. Just think about maybe your day today. How would your day have looked differently if you had on the front of your mind that this moment is to the praise of God's glory? What would you have done differently? What would you have said differently? What could you have genuinely, like after you got done saying it, like in your head you could have gone to the praise of your glory, God? What after you got done doing, if you just had a moment to yourself and just like, God, to the praise of your glory? What would you have repented of? And even after your repentance said, and I repent to the praise of your glory. Because we all know as we sit here in this room that as fallen and sinful human beings, we cannot and will not do all things to the praise of God's glory, but we can repent of our sin and turn from it. And even in that is to the praise of God's glory. Open up your Bibles, please, to the book of Ephesians. We're going to be working our way through the book of Ephesians. Ephesians is really split up into two different parts. The first three chapters are all about our salvation accomplished, what God has done to bring us back into relationship with himself through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then the last three chapters are salvation applied. Because of what God has done for us in Christ, how ought I to respond to that? Book of Ephesians is kind of towards the end of the New Testament. You can go to your table of contents. Uh, If the person next to you chuckles at you because you turn to your table of contents, take your right elbow and put it into their nose and say you're a jerk. Okay? (laughs) To the praise of his glory. Okay? Uh, Probably not. All right, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, and here's what we're going to do. We are going to just read through 
the book of Ephesians together. It's going to take us about 18 minutes, but here's the thing. I really, really, really invite and encourage you to like this. What we're getting ready to do is something that the church before people could read and before God's word was spread out or everyone had their own copy. This is what the church would often do when they gathered together. They would read out loud God's word and the Holy Spirit of God would transform them by the speaking and the preaching of the word of God. Everything that's been said so far tonight is only setting the table for what we're getting ready to do now because now we're getting ready to hear God speak. And so I want to invite you guys just really like be in on this moment. You can do anything in life for 18 minutes well. Okay, uh, do these next 18 minutes really well with me. Ephesians 1, starting in verse 1. Here we go. And so, Father, we have heard you speak to us in the reading of your word. And Holy Spirit, we have asked that you would take these words and that you would press them into our souls and that you would cause us to be transformed because of them. Father, as we take the next many months to look at these truths and to hear you speak to us again and again from your word, what we desire is to see you. Jesus, what we desire is to see you magnified and on display where your holiness and your glory becomes so earth-shatteringly evident to us in each moment of our existence. And then, Father, as we see that, that we couldn't just ignore it, that we wouldn't see something else as more precious or valuable or desirable, but as you reveal yourself to us, that we would see you as the treasure of greatest price and that we would do all, leave all, and be all to embrace you and that our lives would be to the praise of your glory. In Christ's name, amen.